0: this is the otp presented by farm bureau health plans look to the folks at farm bureau health plans when you need someone who understands the x's and o's of health care coverage they've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947 my name is Mike Keith, Amy Wells is here as usual, and Amy Wells, I am so glad that we waited until the afternoon of Friday, August the 7th, before recording this edition of the OTP, because there is definitive news, and when you have definitive news, who do you need to have on the OTP, Amy Wells?
1: Jim Wyatt, of course.
0: Jim Wyatt, TennesseeTitans.com, Senior Writer, Editor-Editor. Let's talk Vic Beasley. Let's let's delve into this right away. Uh, first response to his reporting, Jim, relief?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it really, you just want to have any distractions out of the way. You want to have this team all together and, and doing everything it can to prepare for the season. And and that was going to be a, a storyline and a topic of conversation until he showed up. So, in fact, he is, has started the process of the COVID testing and now – You'll we'll have to go through protocols like everybody else to be in a position to be on the field uh, this time next week, and uh, you know just to hear some of his teammates on the conference calls today, whether it was Kenny Vaccaro or Roger Saffold, uh, you know they're they're glad to have him on board, and uh, that's what they that's what this team signed him for. I mean, he was a big free agent acquisition, still has some. Um, Pop in his game, and um, now it's a process of, of getting him on the field and getting the best they, the team can get out of him.
0: And the bottom line, Jim touched on some of the timing, Amy. He comes in today, takes a COVID test. He will come in tomorrow and take a COVID test. He will come in on Monday and take a COVID test. And if he is cleared through those three tests, three negative tests, then he can join the football team on Tuesday. Tuesday is when the next phase of this unusual preseason training camp, summer camp, whatever you want to call it, starts. And so, I mean, he hasn't missed a whole lot. I guess that's the best news, right?
1: Yeah, he hasn't really. It's We're starting to transition into the more OTA-like things if that makes sense so it's not just the meetings and getting familiar with the protocols and all of that we're working more towards more football if that makes sense we're adding more football to the equation so in terms of whether or not he will be behind I don't really think that'll be an issue Vic Beasley's a veteran and Kenny Vaccaro said during his media availability a little bit earlier today that he's not judging anybody for any decisions that they make throughout this process in 2020 he's saying you know what I don't know this guy's life I'm not sure what was going on I don't hold anything against him we're all trying to make the best decisions for ourselves and our families right now I don't know what's been going on in his world so we're all starting with a clean slate and I thought that that was a really good kind of way for him to see the bigger picture of what's been going on with all of this. Everyone's just trying to make the decisions that are best for them and their families right now and trying to wade through a very bizarre time. So if he can come in, obviously test negative all the times he needs to, and then rejoin the team, he's not going to be that far behind. He's a veteran player. He's, I mean, football is football, you know?
0: And Amy touched on it, Jim, about Kenny's comments and, and a couple other guys were asked about Vic Beasley, too. Players don't generally judge other players in instances like this because they all know at some point that could be them, right?
2: That's very true. I mean, covering this team, you know, as long as I have, I've, I've pretty much seen it all, you know, whether it's a guy, you know, showing up late like Samari Roll way back in the day. I remember he was dealing with the contract situation. He was late. You've had other players who have had pretty public battles with the team And players don't get into the middle of all that. Again, the Beasley situation didn't have anything to do with the contract, but obviously there's something going on that kept Vic Beasley from being here. And uh, I don't think anybody wants to be quick. I don't think anybody wants to jump out and condemn him or put him down. You know, most important thing is to get him here working out with his teammates. People forget about those things and I think fans will forget about it, you know, as long as he comes in, does what he's supposed to do, you know, and is productive on the field. That's what this team signed him for, to get after the quarterback, and uh, and I do think that, yes, he missed some time early, That and you like to see everybody in at the same time, but the on-field work doesn't start until the end of next week. There's plenty of time for him to get himself in good shape, plenty of time for him to get comfortable with what they're going to ask him to do and this is not a you know first second year guy It's a guy who's done it for a while and i expect him to be able to hit the ground running Oh, and he's
0: going to pay his price fine wise i mean that's that's between he and the collective bargaining agreement and whatever goes with that and so that's that's another story but as long as he goes and hits the quarterback a bunch in denver on september 14th and hits the quarterback on September 20th against Jacksonville, and hits the quarterback in Minnesota on September 27th, all will be forgiven.
2: I agree. I mean, I think it's so important. I mean, it's obviously important to have a guy that you – kind of earmarked and went after him free agency to have him show up because, you know, I think today he's this team's biggest free agent acquisition. But, you know, while he was not here and there were questions about whether or not he was going to be here, I thought about guys like Harold Landry and I thought about Kamala Correa and I thought about, you know, Derek Roberson and DeAndre Walker and all these guys who were going to have to step up without him. And I thought, you know, all this talk about trying to reduce Harold Landry's workload and snaps you know, you're not going to be able to do that if you're thin at that position. And uh, and so, so Beasley being back, being a part of the group helps everybody. I mean, it takes pressure off of Landry. It takes pressure off Correa. And you just didn't want to have anybody kind of scrambling for more answers or looking for more options with what's left in the market because uh, you want your own guy in here, the guy you went after to get.
0: You know, that was so interesting, the Landry piece. That was written, and I was shocked at how many snaps he played. In the playoff game, I guess it was Baltimore that he played all but two snaps. I mean, that I had no idea he was on the field that much. And so it's kind of no wonder he wore down, and Shane Bowen has talked about it extensively. Amy, did that surprise you? Did I mean, you're down on the field. I know you probably don't count snaps, but I, I had no idea he played that much.
1: Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, you kind of think, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, he was on the field a lot, but when the actual numbers came out and the percentage of the snaps that he played, it was like, oh yeah, that is kind of a lot. And when he was asked about it and whether he wants, I guess, less snaps or something, I I mean, what's any guy going to (laughs) say? No, (laughs) like he wanted to be out on the field. He was happy to do it. And his whole thing was building his endurance. So that when he's asked to do that again, he can still perform at the same level and there's not a drop off, even if you're getting tired. But, I mean, for a guy playing that many snaps, of course you're going to get tired. You're a human being.
2: Were you surprised, Jim? I didn't realize there's that many. I knew he was playing a lot. I I, I didn't realize the significance there. And uh, you know, obviously, he's not wanting to make excuses. I'll say this: his stack numbers went down, but he was still getting after it. His quarterback pressure sure. was still there. He was still disrupting plays, even though he didn't have the sacks that he had during the first part of the season. Uh, one other thing I thought was interesting that he said, because I think I think everybody's looking for pass rushers to develop more moves, and he's talked himself about wanting to add more to his pass rush arsenal. But you know, the you know, he said, "Hey, I'm not looking to have you know a thousand moves. I'm looking." to perfect the two or three that I have to be as good as I possibly can at those. And he figures that's a way he can be successful. I thought that was an interesting approach that he's taken. And I I think that's, you know, it's a smart move. I mean, if he can be as good as he can possibly be with some of the moves that he feels are his strengths, then that's going to go a long way.
0: He has that bicycle lean that the birthday boy Dave McGinnis. Happy birthday, Coach Mac! He has that that bicycle lean that Coach Mac talks about. Amy and Vic Beasley has it too. I mean, they are those kind of rushers. Roberson has that. Correa's is a, a stiffer, more power rusher. That's okay. That works as well. But you, you love having some of those guys who really put pressure on those tackles on the edge. Landry, Roberson, a guy, a guy like Vic Beasley who, I mean, listen, if you've put up 15 and a half sacks in a season at some point, which he has, you can rush the passer. You know, yeah. you, you, you don't do that by accident.
1: I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. I don't care what kind of moves you have. I don't care if you're running, walking, crawling. However you get there and get the man on the ground, right. that's what I'm interested in. How you get there, if you're skipping or spinning, or none of that matters to me. Just get there.
0: But speed rush is a big deal in a 3-4. You, yes. You've got to have power guys, but you've also got to have speed guys so that you can get there when you're only sending four people. You can't blitz all the time. You just can't, Jim.
2: I agree, and I, and I do think this team's obviously better in my mind than it was last season from an edge rush, pass rush standpoint, a team that went to the AFC Championship game last year. So I think Beasley, if he gets in here, gets himself ready to go um, and, and plays you know, like he's capable of playing, I think you're going to see an improved Harold Lander this year. I really like the way Correa finished the year last year, and then you just mm-hmm. get really one – of the other two, Walker and Roberson, to step up and help you, and, and both of them could. I mean, I think you're use a lot of guys in rotation. When I look at the defense, I think, you know, the edge rush has the potential to be even better than the last season.
0: You know, the guy we don't talk about enough in that is Gilbert because Gilbert comes over from Green Bay. He's coming back from an injury. He did some good things at different points, but I know Shane Bowen's been talking about the fact that, him being healthier, he may be able to give more this year, Jim.
2: Yeah, and I probably should have mentioned him in that group because he is, you know, thought enough of him to bring him back for another year. And he has some experience. You know, he, he dealt with an injury when he first came to Tennessee. He kind of battled through that. He's a hard working guy. So when you talk about rotation, when you talk about guys competing, he's very much in the mix there. And, um, Really anxious to see how some of these guys look, you know, especially Gilbert Roberson and Walker when camp starts. All right,
0: Amy, let me ask you a question. Go put you on the spot just a little bit. Splendid. Do you think that in 2019 the most improved Titan from 2018 was Harold Landry? Was he the most improved player from the year before?
1: Probably. I would put Harold Landry and Rashawn Evans kind of on a, a similar line there.
0: Although Rashawn Evans was playing great at the end of 2018.
1: Yeah, but I still think that he was more consistent in 2019 and he was more effective in 2019. All right,
0: that's fair. Who will be the most improved Titan in 2020? Amy, you can go first, and then I'm going to let Jim go, and then I've got one.
1: Well, can I pull one that I? it's kind of a cop-out answer?
0: Well, yeah, sure. Whatever you want.
1: Okay. I think Jeffrey Simmons, because he's going to have a full year, have a full offseason, have a working leg. I mean, he's already leaps and bounds above where he was at this point a year ago, so... I think that just by a productivity standpoint and not having so many cards stacked against him, I think Jeffrey Simmons is my guy.
0: So we've already done something with Jeffrey Simmons for TV. And I asked him the question, I said, where is your knee brace? Yeah. He does not know where it is.
1: He doesn't know where it is. Doesn't know
0: where it is. I thought that's a great answer. Because I thought maybe he burned it or he was gonna auction it off for charity. But he said, you know, the truth is I don't even know where it is. I said, that's the best answer. You could have given me
1: that makes me happy. That means it's not even in his mind, not in his mind,
0: Jim Wyatt. All right, so I'm gonna give it to you. Who is gonna end up being the most improved
2: Titan in 2020? Well, I'm going with AJ Brown, and people say that's crazy because this guy had a thousand yards receiving last year and eight touchdowns, and you know, he already looked like he was NFL ready last year. But I think that just kind of was the tip of the iceberg for him about how good he can be, he can better those numbers. And, and then some, because I think he's going to be that much better from, you know, a technique standpoint, from a knowing what defenses are trying to do to him. You know, it lit a fire underneath him, the fact that he didn't have some success late in the season in some of those games that he did early in the year. And I think he's motivated to to show that he can be a, a, a tremendous pro. And, you know, felt the perceived snub from being third in – Offensive Rookie of the Year, I think, has been on his mind as well. So I think A.J. Brown takes it up another notch in 2020 and is, uh, you know, becomes a Pro Bowl caliber receiver. A.B.
0: Wells, who is Mike Keith going to say?
1: I don't know. I'm sitting here looking at my roster trying to figure out who you're going to say. Someone goofy. I've got no. somebody. Who I know who Mike's going to say? say.
0: Who am I going to say? He's going to say Imani Hooker. No, actually, no. I, although I thought about that, I think it's Adam Humphreys.
1: Oh, okay. I wouldn't Adam have that. Adam Humphreys.
0: It, and it's not fair to say he played poorly because he didn't. I, I just think he never got on the same page with Mariota because Mariota was, you know, let's face it, Marcus. He wasn't just in looked. the same book. No, he, he wasn't playing that well. And then he finally gets Tannehill in there, and it looks like they're going to establish some rhythm, and he gets hurt. I think we will see the Adam Humphreys from 2018 in Tampa with the Tennessee Titans in 2020. I think you're talking about a guy, I think he leads the team in catches and I'm not saying he leads the team in yards. I think he leads the team in catches reaction, response
1: I'm here for it. I think that's great. I was excited when we signed him last year. I was disappointed that he didn't get off to the start that I think we all, including himself, wanted him to. Sure. So I, I'm, I'm okay with that, Mike. Like, if he's the most improved Titan, that would make me very happy, and I think that our wide receiver room would be pretty, pretty solid if Adam Humphreys has the season that we're all expecting him to have.
2: You
0: spent some time with him, didn't
2: you, Jim? I did. Yeah, there's actually a story on TennesseeTitans.com about Adam Humphreys that was posted this morning. So good timing on that. And he's excited. I mean, I, I think he he felt like you know he would make more of an impact at times last season, And just the transition and getting comfortable in a new offense and with new quarterbacks. That obviously was an adjustment for him. There was a stretch there in the middle of the season where he was having games where he caught four or five passes and he felt good. And then he had the ankle injury in Indianapolis and missed six games, including the two playoff games. You know, he feels like the team having Tannehill back, the team having so much continuity on offense, that's going to go a long ways. And, you know, he's comfortable in Tennessee. You know, in, in Tampa, he talked about, you know, living in an apartment with two of his teammates his entire time there. And now he's bought his own place here in Tennessee Uh, Again, he's fired by Taney Hill. Uh, He did a lot of work this offseason to get himself ready to go, and I think that's a good kind of breakout candidate because you look at his numbers, and they don't jump off the page at you, but you got to consider that he did miss a significant stretch, and he was adjusting to different quarterbacks like everybody else. So he's a good candidate to make a huge jump in my mind as well.
0: All right, so let me ask you this. We're at August 7th. The Titans had one player opt out, Anthony McKinney, an undrafted uh, rookie offensive lineman who, quite frankly, was going to be hard-pressed to make this roster. And so the Titans' current roster was not affected by the opt-out thing to a big degree. Now they're in a situation where Vic Beasley is back. Jayon Brown has been activated from PUP. He's back to work or ready to start work as they get deeper into things. Waiting on Corey Davis at this point. He's still on the PUP. So things have settled down a little bit. Jim, I'm going to give you first crack and then, Amy, you go. With some cap money, does John Robinson, now that he's got some things sorted out, does he start to make a few moves now? Is this where he starts to to kick some tires and light some fires and bring some free agents. In. And I know everybody's going to assume this is a Jadevian Clowney comment, not just saying that, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but do we see business start to pick up for Titans as far as free agents, no matter who that may be?
2: Well, I guess with John, nothing surprises me because he is aggressive and he does, you know, he does surprise people from time to time on some of the bold moves that he makes. Personally, I mean, I kind of get the hunch that because he's waited so long this off offseason, no OTAs and mini camps and really an offseason program, I just think he's chomping at the bit to see his own guys. And I think he's going to give those players a long look during the early portion of camp to kind of gauge what he has exactly. And if he doesn't like what he has after a couple of weeks or it feels like the team needs to upgrade at certain positions, I kind of think that's when he jumps out and makes a move, you know, at, at certain spots. I thought it was interesting when the team cut that, you know, got his roster down to 80 that the team parted ways with players that had some experience, not the undrafted guys that probably some people expected. And the reason the team did that is they want to look at these undrafted guys. And then at that point, they feel like the guys that they released initially – are going to be better options, then you bring those guys back. But I think this is the time now, whether it's with Logan Woodside or whether it's with some of the rookies who are going to be buying for spots, I think you got to give those guys a shot. And then I think you kind of jump in and and add to the roster because we still have time. I mean, the, the season's still over a month from now. Some of these veterans you'd be bringing in, maybe they don't need the camp as much as some other guys do. So I'm of the feeling that he's going to wait a little bit look at what he has, and then decide to make some moves.
1: I think you also have to consider the financial aspect of this. And Mike, you had mentioned that, you know, we still have some cap room and money to work Mm -hmm. with. And I think that John Robinson is going to be a little bit more I don't know if frugal is the right word, but he's going to be a little bit more aware of socking away some extra money for the season than maybe we would see in other situations because we don't know what the season's going to look like. There's a chance that there could be a lot of turnover on a roster. And you've got to have money to pay people to play for you. So it wouldn't surprise me if everyone kind of sits on this team that we have for a while, really evaluate the guys that are in the building, see what we can put together, and then make some tough decisions from there. But I don't think you're going to see any big just blow them out of the water, big surprise moves until after training camp is over. And John Robinson may look at this roster and say, okay, we need to fill in some pieces. But I think he's going to hang on to more money than he typically would because we don't know what's going to happen with this roster and we don't know how many holes he's going to have to fill as this virus kind of moves through cities and locker rooms and whatever else may happen this season.
0: That's a great point because there's so much talk about with the cap going down next year, Jim, people are holding on to money and moving it to next year. But Amy's right. If you keep five million in reserve to get through a season in a normal year, you may need eight to ten million this year to get through it because you you just don't know what it's gonna end up looking like. You just don't have any idea.
2: Yeah, and I think I think the teams and I saw the updated list, you know, just the other day, and I think the teams that have a little bit of money to work with probably sleep a little bit better at night sure and because of that issue because you don't know what's going to happen like amy said during the course of the season so we'll see what transpires i mean and, and again I, I think he'll probably get a better picture of what he has and where this team may need to add some some pieces but um, you, know, you also got to consider a whole nother group of players is going to be available for you once roster cuts are made you know at the end of camps and and into September, and, you know, maybe you wait and get a guy who's gone through camp, whose body is in shape, is not going to have to come in and go through a, a testing system and, uh, and protocols that we put them behind the eight ball when you're get, getting close to the season. Maybe you're better off waiting, identifying some of those guys. Unfortunately, the thing is, without the preseason, without the benefit of having some of these in, you know, joint practices, you, you haven't been able to see some of these guys up close. So you're really doing some of this stuff blindly, which is completely different than years past.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a totally different situation 100%. And I, I think everybody understands that that's going to be, you know, how it all goes down. Now the what's going to happen at this point is 80 players will go out through the 11th in what is a conditioning period am i saying that right amy an acclimation period i guess is how you better say it and then the 12th through the 16th that's going to sort of look like phase two of otas with helmets and uh, uh, do i have that right
1: yeah it sounds like limited field work whatever that means so i mean that typically is a lot of kind of individual position work. You're wearing helmets, maybe you're wearing shells, but you're not going up against people. You're not putting your hands on guys in other positions. Typically that's what that means. I mean, I didn't write it, so I don't really
2: know, but.
0: So the transition comes on August 17th though, right, Jim?
2: That's the day when you're allowed to start putting pads on for the first time and have, have, you know, contact and, I mean, this is also new you know to all of us because we are used to guys reporting and then being on the field the next day and then a couple of days in you're having goal line drills and you're having, you know, eleven on eleven and doing things from a completely different standpoint as far as intensity goes. You know, as as Vrabel, you know, this week during a video conference call just kinda of to walk me through what phase they're in, expecting him to say, Well, we're in phase two, and he said, Well, the rookies are in phase seven. And I'm like, well, you know, what, what what happened in phase three, four, five, and six? I mean, there's all this terminology and where they are is so different than where it's been in years past. And it has been a slow lead in uh, that has involved testing and walkthroughs and meetings and conditioning and a lot of work that's being done before you even think about getting on the football field. Uh, I think we're all excited about being out there next Friday to watch, but it's still going to be a little while before we're really able to evaluate guys and, and seeing competitive drills.
0: Jim, you have not watched this team do anything yet by rule. And yet you're still writing tons of stuff at TennesseeTitans.com. You're still on Twitter, throwing things out all the time. How are you covering this team and this quote-unquote training camp without being able to see any of it?
2: I have stockpiles. I've talked to a lot of guys, like the Adam Humphrey story that I wrote uh, for this morning. I talked to him a couple of weeks prior, and there are a couple of guys I've talked to just to really make sure leading up to camp I had enough stuff to get me to camp. And then it turns out that camp is not camp as we know it. I have some stuff, some features that I still have kind of held on to. Like I do position previews, and usually roll those out in the two weeks leading up to camp. And, again, I had to put pause on those, you know, partly because of the long build up to camp and also because I didn't want to put a position preview out on the outside linebackers when you didn't know exactly sure what was going to happen with Vic Beasley. So I pressed pause on that, and now I can get those rolling again. So a combination of the interviews I'd done, the previews that I have, you know, these video conference calls at four guys on today that I'm able to use content off of that. There's some other things that I can do between now and then where I'm going to make it to camp. I've got I've got enough stuff to get to uh, access next week. What I'm most looking forward to doing, I think what fans are most looking forward to seeing are these practice reports and hearing who's looking good in camp and who's out there. And we're not going to be able to tell them who's running with the at, at nickel and who's running with the ones, but we can at least give them you know, uh, some insight on who looks good, what they're doing, you know, hopefully have some, some highlights on Twitter uh, from, you know, from practices and and just get football going again. But it has been, I mean, it still has been a flurry of activity as far as I'm concerned, because in the NFL, there's always something to write about. There's always something going on. And, you know, I try to keep do my part to keep the website fresh.
1: Mike, isn't it, Isn't it ridiculous that there is no access to football for us right now? We can't go to these practices, these walkthroughs and things. Jim Wyatt is still making us look bad. Like, this is unbelievable. He's
0: out working. Jim
1: Wyatt's grinding. I'm in a bubble bath somewhere.
0: That's not true. You've been to the facility. I know you have.
1: I have been to the facility, and it was the greatest feeling.
0: You got to tape an interview, right?
1: I did tape an interview, and I'm very excited about it. And it's amazing what they've been able to do with the studio to get it set up so that everybody is still safe, but we can have interactions with people via video. It's very Star Trek, the whole thing. But it felt really, really good to be back in the studio and be back in the facility. Mike, I called you all emotional. (laughs)
0: Well, I I felt that way, too. I was there for two days and uh, got a chance to start doing some interviews with players. They're not in the same room with us. Uh, it's going to look very, I think it's been described as Scott Van Peltish, Yeah, uh, how he does his interviews where he talks to somebody on the screen. Uh, that's how we're going to have to do it. You know, and, and the setups from, I mean, we will continue to have to do some things from home. I think it's gonna continue all year. But what we know for the three of us is we are gonna get to watch ball practice one week from today. I
1: know, it's coming. I I can hear the sounds and smell the grass and it makes me very happy.
0: The question is, can Dave McGinnis socially distance at practice? (laughs)
1: <laughs> absolutely not i'll put 20 bucks on the fact that coach max whatever tracking beeper is going off within 60 seconds of being out there
2: it's definitely going to be a different season though. i mean because, because as you mentioned the interviews that you guys are doing and the fact that you know the locker room is not going to be open to reporters all season you know it kind of remains to be seen whether anyone will be present at mike Vrabel's press conferences but i anticipate the majority of those being video conference call. And after games, you know, I, you know, I think the league's still working through the process of how that's going to be handled. I think you'll still maybe see Mike Vrabel behind a podium post-game, and, and we'll see whether players are there, you know, NCAA style behind a desk or, or whether they're going to be all Zoom, but it's going to be a different year covering this team, you know, for all of
0: us. Let me ask you a question, Jim, because, and, and uh, Amy, I want you to comment on this too, because I know you're a big college football fan. So 69 NFL players opted out. I was not surprised by that in the least. I thought that that probably sounded about right. Are you surprised, Jim, at a lot of these college players choosing to opt out?
2: I'm not. I mean, I actually thought the number would maybe be higher in the NFL than it ended up being. Uh, yeah. You know, the college players, I, I kind of had gotten a sense in talking to some people, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks that this was coming, and if if football doesn't go – I mean, I, I noticed a lot of these conferences are now talking about going to the spring. You know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, you know, the, the SEC and these Power Five conferences will be able to play in the fall, but if the conferences or football by some reason had to get moved to the spring, you, I think, you know – floodgates would open up with everyone declaring for the draft and not come back for their final season. So some of these other players are going to see the moves that uh, uh, that these guys are making and have to start thinking themselves about, you know, does it make sense for me to come back, you know, for one more year with so many concerns with COVID? And, you know, is it smarter for me to get ready for the draft? And I'm just curious to see how what those numbers look like as we – move
1: forward here in August. Oh gosh, it's already so hard for players, especially players who are having some success at the college level to decide, okay, when do I declare if that's something that looks like I'm kind of eligible for and could have some success there? when When do I walk away? Do I stay? I want to get that extra experience, but could I get hurt? Will my, I guess, stock rise or fall in making that choice? And now these poor kids also have this virus that I could get sick. My teammates could get sick. And then the season's over. I've lost tape. Then like, there's all these different things that these kids have to think about for them and their families. And I, 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 I wouldn't want to be them for the world. I wouldn't want to be going to college myself right now, just as a regular person who can't do anything like that's challenging. So making some sort of an athletic decision that could impact your career for years to come. Whew, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. These kids are in a tough spot.
0: Some of the guys who have already declared that they are going to opt out are players who, according to the experts that the three of us rely on are our first round picks. You know, that's a, that's a big part of this right now is you've got some folks who, I mean, the, these are, these are big name players. Greg Russo from Miami Florida, One of the best edge rushers, a 6'7 guy with incredible length. And, I I mean, Bateman from Minnesota, really good-looking receiver who can do a lot of things. Uh, Certainly gotten everybody's attention.
1: You know who's screaming right now? Agents of kids who are opting out a year early because they now have to find places for these kids to work out for a year. They've got to find lodging for them with those trainers. Usually they're paying for most, if not all of that, all of their living expenses and things like that. While these kids are trying to prep their bodies and make sure that they're in shape to go to the next level after taking a year off. Like if you're an agent, you better fire up that credit card (laughs) because you've got to supply a lot of things for these kids. A year before, They'd be needing places to stay and trainers and all of that anyway. Now you've got to do it for a full six months too.
0: You've got us for the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Jim Wyatt, please tell everyone how they can follow you on social media.
2: At J Wyatt Sports on Twitter and Instagram. And in addition to my stories being on TennesseeTitans.com, post them on Facebook as well. So got a lot to write about and certainly gonna have a lot to write about starting next week.
0: Amy Wells, how do people follow you on social media?
1: Well, I'm at Titans Amy A M I E on Twitter. Titans underscore A M I E on Instagram. It's kind of a long story, but underscore on Instagram. I locked myself out of the real Titans Amy. That's the story. You did? I really did. I was trying to make a Titans Amy Instagram profile. I decided I didn't like something. So I tried to delete it and I was like, no, I can do that. So I tried to restart it and they were like, no, that name's already been used. And I tried to contact them and be like, no, it's me. I'm, yeah, I'm, that I'm the person. one who used it. Yeah. yeah, no. So I had to get clever. So Titans underscore Amy on Instagram.
0: That's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Jim, thanks for taking time with Amy and me for this edition of the OTP. We appreciate you always and love what you do at TennesseeTitans.com. You do make us all look good and look bad. (laughs)
1: The
0: hardest working man in show business, Jim Wyatt, Amy Wells. I'm Mike Keith. Thanks for joining us for the OTP.